This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. This is going to be a show that you are all been looking forward to. We're bringing back Brian Lebo. How you doing, man? Wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I look forward to our monthly conversations talking about Las Vegas as we talked about way back when. That's, that's a market I am looking for to give me signs of the rest of the country. So I appreciate you giving me some time. My pleasure, man. Let's, let's do this. Absolutely. So, so what... Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Go, go, go for it. I was going to say, you know, as someone who, you know, lives in California and, and looking at Vegas, you know, cautiously, it feels like at least the Vegas economy I know, which is obviously very strip oriented, uh, feels like it's kind of crumbling, kind of feels like it's taken a step back. But as someone who's been in Vegas for decades, maybe I'm just an idiot and missing the boat. So what's going on in <laughs> the Vegas economy? Um, I mean... It's, it's the constant series of events, right? So we take one step forward, we take a step back. So crumbling, I don't, I don't know if we can crumble much more than where we already were. <laughs> so I think we've stabilized in the crumbling, but you know, every year, this is ironically the worst time of the year for Vegas, regardless of what year we're in. Because oh, during the, yeah, the holidays, you know, the summertime is huge. During the holidays, people don't tend to take their families to Vegas like they do in the summertime. Uh, so Vegas is always slow this time of year. What bolsters our economy this time of year is the convention season. So the big conventions, you know, you have the SEMA show, which is a huge automotive convention. That's usually around Halloween. Um, and then we used to have Comdex, which is CES, which kind of comes in in the early part of January. And then just a bunch of medium-sized conventions as well. So most of our economy that's strip related is bolstered by convention season. Mm. Now, obviously we don't have a convention season, so that was going to really impact us either way. So what has happened since we last spoke is a, is a few things. Um, one, which we just went into effect yesterday is our governor reduced us down to 25% occupancy. So wow. this affects restaurants, it affects bars, it affects casinos. Now, what the so far we haven't heard much of a blowback from the casinos because you would imagine the first and largest blowback would be you're ruining our economy. This is going to destroy. Well, the fact of the matter is, like I said, it's slow this time of year, anyways, and we don't even have conventions. So even before this measure was passed, I think Sunday afternoon the governor imposed the 25% restriction. Mm -hmm. Even before that, MGM Resorts announced that Mandalay Bay and Mirage, both of their towers are going to be shut down from Monday through Thursday, meaning wow. there's just not enough demand, there's not enough occupancy to justify even operating the hotel. So there's a lot of hotels on the strip that are not even really operating Monday through Thursday because there's just not enough justification. So considering that happened prior to the 25% occupancy, what they're saying now is that 
the 25% occupancy is kind of what you would be lucky to have anyways. <laughs> We'd <We're>, love 25%. <laughs> exactly. So where it may affect uh, is going to be, you know, your Friday and Saturday, you know, Sunday, it may have a marginal effect where it really kills Vegas, where it really, 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 really kills Vegas is in the restaurant sector. That's where you get crushed because your smaller restaurants at 25% occupancy, it's, it's arguably not even worth being open unless you have a tremendous to-go demand. Um, and then the tables are limited to four. So in a lot of venues, that's just mind-blowingly difficult to accommodate, especially when you're dealing with some of like the smaller strip restaurants that are very high dollar, high price that people go in with, you know, whatever your family, your friends, you're going to go out for the night. So there's definitely some odd changes. And this is going to last for three weeks, supposedly, and then be reevaluated. I'm pretty sure, I mean, what, three weeks from now, we're talking Christmas, right. and there's going to be people moving and traveling for Christmas. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be imposed throughout. Um, so I just want to double check what you said, just to make sure I heard it. So restaurants, 25% got it. But what I think mm -hmm. you said is even if you're going to a restaurant, you're limited to four people for a single table. Four people to a table. So if you went with a, a family of 10, you would technically have three, three tables. tables. Right. Which Are, I mean, I mean throughout point, the, yeah, I mean, geez. At this point, some of these smaller restaurants, I mean, that's all they have. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, I, I thought we were going to be completely shut down. So Sunday night, I went to a bar just to get my last beer in and be in public. And that's when they announced everything. And the restaurant I went to is a really nice upscale bar and restaurant, Wolfgang Puck, uh, collaboration with the Golden Knights hockey team. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was already kind of dead and they, they don't really have that many tables to begin with. And, you know, I was talking to the bartender and it's like, somehow we have to cut these tables in half. And then again, you know, let's say your family consists of five people or six people, Who's staying the, home? The kids' table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it ultimately just, the general consensus is that everyone's just like, it's just not even worth like participating and going out. It's just a really wow. huge bummer in that capacity. Um, and then gyms, we now have to wear masks throughout your entire workout in the gyms. So, wow. you know, other states have done that. We'll see what effect that has on like our local gyms. But yeah, we definitely have some issues. Um, the Clark County School District, which is the school district for all of Las Vegas, they just announced that due to budgetary restraints that they need to reassign and lay off 1,480 jobs, which is huge. Gosh. Um, so the underlying problems that we've been discussing that somehow managed to just continue without <laughs> any well, consequence, it's starting, we're starting to see those cracks. Yeah, well, that, I want to go back to my opening statement. Everything you just walked through, it kind of feels like it is crumbling, right? You, you are. Yeah. You, maybe it's crumbling at the same rate, but it feels to me again outsider completely. It feels like the bigger rocks are falling now. Well, yeah, but I mean, in some ways, like a lot of the nightclub industries um, gone. Right? A lot of the done. well, a lot of the nightclubs actually. I, I can't say a name, but one of the groups they actually, their net bottom line is actually identical to where they were last year, even though their revenue is drastically reduced. Part of it is they've had to change their model. So uh, instead of paying DJs, you know, $200,000 for an appearance, they're getting some local Vegas DJ sure. who operates out of his garage and he's doing it for $500. Right. And, you know, they're charging X amount for a cabana okay. or a booth. So they're actually, they've been able to maintain. But on the other hand, a lot of these nightclubs 
operate as restaurants before it turns into after hours. So now that's really going to affect their revenue as a restaurant because mm. like we said, 25% with a maximum of four, very disruptive. So yeah, we've been kind of resilient as far as trying to figure out ways. Station casinos, um, they're the largest like local operator, if you will, stations. They actually, their net bottom line was fantastic. Like, oh, wow. Absolutely fantastic. But what they did, was they ran a tighter ship. So they got rid of like their buffets, any of their lost leaders that they typically had, they got rid of. So they're now operating only in the high margin arena. So mm -hmm. again, revenues down. On the other hand, what they managed to do was furlough and lay off all of their expensive and long-term employees and retain their less expensive employees. So it's, it's kind of like a reshaping for a lot of the businesses. So some of these large casinos are actually not doing as bad as you would presume Interesting. under, under the situation. Yeah. Wow. So the other thing we talked about last time that was really eye opening, and hopefully this has changed is, I don't know, I'll call it crime or stuff happening on the street. It kind of got a little, a uh, little out of control there for a while, but it sounded like the local police were going to step up and be very present. And has that stopped? I mean, I haven't seen a headline about a shooting or a stabbing. Right. I mean, ultimately, like we discussed last time, in the world of Vegas, prior to the last couple of months, did you ever hear of anyone ODing? Did you ever hear of like shootings? Like all of that was suppressed anyways. So I, I can't personally tell you if things have really gotten that much better or if we've just suppressed the leaks to the media. Okay. Um, most of the people that I know, I mean, since we did our last video, you can't pay me to go to the strip anymore. And most yeah. people I know aren't going to the strip. So, you know, I, okay. I think from a local perspective, we just kind of just, it's not worth the exercise. We all yeah. just kind of stand away. So, <laughs> Probably makes sense. You know. Well, let's talk about the rest of the Vegas economy. Cause again, I'm an outsider. Vegas to me is the strip. When I go to conventions, it's on the strip, but Vegas is, is remarkably a much bigger, bigger economy. What's going on sort of outside the strip? Yeah. Um, I mean, off the strip, you know, we're still, we're still kind of doing okay. You know, when I go to very, like, I, I, you know, the restaurants obviously have been affected, but they're still surviving. You know, obviously mm -hmm. there, there was a huge kind of move to try to uh, support our local yeah. restaurants and our local economy. So people are hanging in there by a string, but in general, things things are just kind of quiet, especially with the okay. last. There's been a push for the last few weeks to stay at home, and it seems like it's been working rather effectively. Like if I go by the mall, the mall's not too busy, so it's it's been pretty quiet. I think this has just really kind of become more of just it's just not worth doing anything. Yeah. You know, it's just it really isn't worth doing anything. Uh, I did have like a birthday party event for a friend of mine that was host at this weird huge party place in vegas slightly off the strip and it was a really amazing venue that i hadn't been to but the occupancy was so restricted that i mean it just completely killed what vibe would have been possible so right. more and more we're just kind of like it's just not really worth going out a few little happy hour spots here and there have been able to get a little bit of you know stuff going on but in general it's it's just quiet yeah. Okay. So then the other thing I wanted to talk to you about since we last spoke is vaccine news has broke, right? We've yeah. had three Mondays in a row where vaccines came out. I think it was Pfizer, then Moderna, then AstraZeneca. I'm guessing this is the light at the end of the tunnel that we can at least see now, right? Vegas has <laughs> right. hope. There is a light. Um, did, did the vibe get more positive at all when people, when this, when this spoke? Cause Hey, we might have a summer season next year. 
I mean, I really haven't heard too okay. many people like locals really, really, really banking and betting at this point. Everyone's more kind of just trying to just get through day by day. Um, we've heard so many things for the last year that it's just really hard to bank and bet on anything. And then like, obviously with the vaccine, it's a question of one, you've got so many people who've had COVID that they're going to have antibodies. So by nature, they're almost vaccinated. Then you have the fact that when is the vaccine actually going to be readily available for the general public? Mm -hmm. So yeah, hopefully by summertime, things can go back to normal. But again, it depends on how it's administered, who receives it first. We'll yeah, see. I gotcha. All right. Well, that I don't think I don't think that's played too much of a role okay. as far as Vegas has been concerned. Uh, I haven't really heard anyone just banking and betting on certain things. It's just oh, man, I was certain hoping, events. Yeah, I was yeah, hoping I mean, somebody would invade. I was I, I was hoping some like win hotels or something was like, dude, we're gonna have a Fourth of July party like <laughs> nothing before. We're gonna go ham hog. I was hoping something like that happened, but no. It, a lot of it's been just quiet, like like EDC is a huge, you know, um, festival in Las Vegas. And I mean, they just, until the last second, they were like, no, no, we're still planning on having it. We're going to have it. We're like, really? Okay. So everyone just, they're not promoting, but they're not necessarily canceling. It's just kind of just in a status quo, wait and see. And then as the timelines get closer, then they pull the cord and say, okay, it's canceled. So okay. I think it's going to be a little while until you actually hear of any one in Vegas feeling comfortable truly promoting a forthcoming event. I think a lot of them are just on the books, but promotion, I don't think anyone's willing to spend that kind of marketing money betting on something that they have no control over. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping again, it's just a hope for Vegas. Cause I want to see Vegas come back. I like, I mean, Vegas well, is always come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we always come back. Well, I'm hoping it comes back this summer. I'm hoping somebody right. goes crazy for Memorial day or it will be 4th of July. That's, that's, that's my, uh, Put it out there. Put some good vibes out there. And I think you're on to something. I think you're right. Especially if the economy maintains. I mean, we're all so tired of being cooped up. And, Amen. you know, we had a big resurgence at first. Once we came out of quarantine, there was, a you know, some people that wanted to come and check it out. Um, I think definitely if we are in a good place going into spring, yeah, Vegas could have a massive summer where everyone just wants to just get out of town and finally, I mean, I, what about you? I mean, I haven't yeah. taken any vacations. I don't really have a desire to go anywhere. Dude, I'm going to hide where I go. No, I'm going to travel for a month. As soon as this right. thing is over, I'm going somewhere for, I mean, I'm going to go to five places. I am right. so done. So done. Yeah. And if you, you've seen a lot of the, um, a lot of uh, business journals have talked about how so many Americans have actually been saving money because there's nothing worth spending going places. So we might see people just emptying the coffers this summer and saying, Hey, I'm going to spend this money on an experience. So we'll see. I mean, Vegas always comes back. I'm not really worried in the terminal aspect. Yeah. It's just a question of when, and yeah. that's predicated on the overall economy. Really. Yeah. When, not if totally, totally agree. It's coming back. Yeah. So then the other thing I'm thinking about when I talk to you is, okay, right. We've, we've been looking at these numbers, specifically single family homes. We've both been going, Oh my God, we keep setting records. We'll, we'll talk about last month in a minute. But I think it's pretty clear that the stimulus money, the CARES Act stuff, a lot of that ends at the end of December. Yeah. And that's going to hurt. I mean, we've always known that's going to hurt some folks in Vegas, uh, probably disproportionately, you know, right? The, the different 1099s and, and all of that. Um, is that still true or is, is the unemployment picture getting better that, that I know of? No, I mean, we're still, we're second in the country in unemployment behind Hawaii. I think they're at 14 and yeah, change. We're Hawaii. around 12% supposedly. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, the reason why some of these hotels and casinos have remained solvent is because they've let go of their older employees, their employees that either aren't as efficient or just simply just make too much money. Yep. So yes, that's going to affect them drastically if new jobs don't open up. And then again, I mean, you know, there's, there's unemployment and then there's underemployment and that's where I think you might start seeing some issues where, okay, I, I worked in a hotel doing whatever, a basic job, but I was making, you know, $21 an hour. And now I'm doing the same job, but I'm only making $12 an hour. So yes, they're not unemployed, but they're underemployed. So mm-hmm. that's going to affect their spending. That's going to affect their housing. Yeah. Um, there's an article today that just came out because we've had um, a moratorium on evictions that was lifted October 15th, but the CARES Act had certain protections in place. So we're starting to process some of the evictions, but once that completely drops in January, yep. that's going to be really interesting to see because that's drastically going to affect the lower end of the housing market uh, from a rental standpoint. Yeah. So it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see how many evictions occur in the first month of the year that's going to be something really to keep an eye on. Yeah, the CDC, the CARES Act order, um, the, the, the pain there is you can actually start evictions now. You just can't physically remove them until January 1st or 3rd or whatever that first business day is. Yeah, that's coming. That's even coming in my market uh, in, in California. Uh, but now let's switch gears. Uh, how did October <laughs> go for the single family housing market? I mean... <laughs> Just logic does not dictate. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't say, know what man. to say. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. I, I guess it's interest rates, right? I guess it, just well, interest it's, rates. It's, well, I think it's two things. I think it's interest rates, and it's you've got to you've got to be having a disproportionate people exiting from California and New York. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. because again, you set a record, right? Even last month, it was another record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, New York, I haven't seen too many transplants from, and we always have had people come to New York. Obviously our number one import is California and it definitely, you know, I haven't really seen any actual statistical evidence that it's been an uptick, but just in my experience and my interaction, it definitely seems a little bit disproportionately higher that we're getting more people from California that are fleeing for various reasons. So, you know, that that's one effect. Um, the other effect too is, you know, you have people and families, you know, now that everyone's been working from home, suddenly your home feels a lot smaller. Yeah. So I think that has had a, a pretty big impetus on people upgrading their homes in Las Vegas. You know, if you're in a 2000 square foot home with a wife and two kids, 3000 square feet, when both of you are working all day from home, sounds like a much better idea. So you're really starting to see people wanting that, wanting, you know, uh, an external work site and their house, like a casita, Mm -hmm. things that weren't necessarily as popular before now are becoming like mandatory criteria because people want like a separate space where they can actually work in peace. So I, th- I think those two factors are really contributing. But yeah, I mean, we're continuing to break records, um, new homes, resale homes. I mean, we're killing it as far as the market is concerned. So just amazing. So again, record pricing. <laughs> the other thing that you do is you do bands, right? I think it's 250 and below, five to 250. Mm-hmm. Again, same deal, all bands, kind of records, absorption, all that stuff. Yeah. Just going gangbusters. Yeah, I mean, that metric, you know, I call it the house saturation metric, which yep. I try to illustrate depending on price ranges. 
um, how competitive those ranges are, you know, how many homes are available versus how many of those homes are already in contract. And so the demand was always exceedingly high on the low end. So anything under 350 really is, is still going like gangbusters. It's increased, but it always was very high where you're seeing just absurdly bizarre moves in motion is in the ultra luxury market. So, you know, for Vegas over $1.5 million, you know, that market has shot up. I think it was like 13% since we came out of quarantine. So Mm. that is a really odd, I mean, it's like almost doubled. Mm. So that really goes to show, I mean, it's not that people in Las Vegas suddenly got rich overnight, that I think has a lot to do with the California transplants on the wealthier end of it, trying to escape taxes in California and invest in, in Nevada. Well, that's not even so, the wealthy in California. I mean, dude, you get that 1950s Orange County house, you sell yeah. for 2 million bucks, you, you freaking go buy something in Vegas and you, you know, you have money left over. Yeah. I mean, we're chump change to many locations in California. So again, like you alluded to, I mean, yeah, the median price in Palo Alto is like $1.5 million. Exactly. And that's or like a shack. Know, it's like 980 square right. feet. It's terrible. Crazy. Right. So, you know, if you're some developer, coder, if you don't have to physically be there and you can relocate to Las Vegas, I mean. Hey, Graham yeah. Stephan's there now. I was just going to say there's, <laughs> there's YouTubers. I mean, if you watch his video, you know, he showed off the house that he built where yeah. off the garage, he has his own studio. Um, I mean, he didn't come here, but you saw Joe Rogan just said, all right, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. So he's doing everything from his home in Austin. So you, again, you're starting to see those kinds of influxes coming to Vegas. A lot of YouTubers have been coming to Las Vegas because yeah. again, you can get an incredible home with space and you're, you know, half of what you would spend if you were in like the Los Angeles market. Dude, he's going to just his state income tax. He paid for the house. Exactly. 13.9 or no, actually after the increase, it'd be 15.2. He just doesn't pay that. Yeah. He paid, bought it. He's bought his Vegas house with yeah. cash left over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was like a $1.4 million home. Freaking crazy. And yeah. And when you see the home, you know, it's, it's an impressive, it's a nice brand new impressive home. And so again, you know, at this moment in time where there's nothing really amazing going on outside of your home. Yeah ever increasingly your home is what's most important. So I think, you know, the public in general tends to be very, very short-sighted in their vision, right? Few people look five, 10 years down the line. Most people look at what's in front of them and, and just want to titillate what they need and want right now. And so when you look at it, like, look at our culture. I mean, you and I right now are doing zoom meetings. We all are doing zoom meetings in Mm -hmm. lieu of in person. So more and more we're spending this time in our home and it's become more and more important. Yeah. So I think all of this is kind of culminating and helping us in that capacity. But yeah, but the, the other thing I want to go back to is one of our first, it might've actually been our second interview. You kind of, you kind of postulated what, how you saw all of this playing out and you were pointing mm-hmm. to kind of early 2021. And this was back when I'm like, that, that might be too far away, but dude, I got to tell you sitting here right now, I think you nailed it. I think when all this comes together, your call for kind of Q1, Q2, come to Jesus moment. Uh, that's not your term. That's mine. Uh, it's oh, I've be been saying that that's literally been my term, the come oh, to good. Jesus moment. No. And I think I still maintain that originally I said, you know, 
we would start to see rumblings in October, yep. but that was predicated on the mortgage forbearance, which got extended in another six months. Mm -hmm. So kicking the can down the road. And again, other things came into play like the CDC eviction laws. Yeah. So yeah, at this junction, a hundred percent, I think we're going to know where we really stand moving forward mid to late April, because a lot of markers are going to be hit in the beginning of April and how people respond will be very, very indicative of, of how our second half goes. And we'll know that by the end of April. Yeah, for me, it's going to be about, because again, you said earlier, I've talked about the CDC thing goes into effect January. January is going to be painful. We do have a new president that will be sworn in most likely uh, at the end of January. It'll be curious if the pain is so big that he extends these things you know, to the summer. Yeah. I mean, we still have Congress that needs to do something with unemployment, yeah. whatever Biden's going to do. You know, one big thing, I don't know if you've discussed, I don't know if we privately uh, brought it up, but have you looked into Biden's $15,000 uh, incentive for her first time home buyers? I have. I think that's a really, really interesting one. Um, that's why I'm not selling anything. <laughs> I own a lot of affordable no. homes that will get a lot more valuable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I <laughs> having nothing to do with partisanship, Personally, I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle and I can go either way. So this is not a partisan uh, argument in, in any capacity. Um, I argue topic by topic. And this is really for your channel, for your viewers, if you're interested in owning rental properties, this is probably going to be one of the biggest issues that could really affect you personally in the next year, mm -hmm. maybe two years. Because if you don't know, Biden wants to effectively give first-time homebuyers a $15,000 tax credit. Not a $15,000 write-off, a full $15,000 credit. So it's like $15,000 in cash. Yeah. This is not the first time that we've done that. Um, Bush actually did it for, I think, $7,500. And then Obama signed it actually as $8,000. Yep. But that was during the recession. That was at a time where no one wanted to buy homes and people were losing homes. So I remember. in effect, it, it made sense because you needed to incentivize people to do something that they really had little incentive at the time. The problem you run into now is this isn't 2008, 2010. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, we have a market that is hyper competitive on the low end. Um, and yes, you know, we have a huge problem with affordable housing and the nation has a problem with affordable housing. And again, I, I guess there's two ways you can approach it. You can give people money to try to afford the home, but I just don't think that that's right, the right way to approach it. Yeah. Uh, it I think it's, it's the most simplistic and should I say naive oh, approach? Dude, it's it's going to pour gasoline. I mean, we already talked about, we have a supply problem. You right. throw in $15,000, you make the marginal buyer attractive. I mean, you're going to have 20% appreciation. It's going to be nutty. So for all the small homes out there, exactly what you said, and that's what I stated in my, my last video, is when you have a supply problem, you don't increase the demand. It's, it's like the complete opposite like, like economic doing? 101 business model. So again, I, you know, I'm not an economist. That's not my function. But I think this is, like you said, throwing like gasoline on a fire because oh, yeah, now crazy. we already have 20 buyers for every one home. So now you're going to introduce another, whatever, 10 buyers into a market that there really isn't enough supply for. So rather than giving people $15,000, and again, you got to remember giving people $15,000 to purchase, they still have to have the money for the down payment. So 
effectively, you're almost giving money to people who are going to do it anyways, to a large capacity. Um, the real disenfranchised people, it's not about the $15,000 credit. It's about the fact that they don't even have money for the down payment. So there's yeah. a huge difference between helping the bottom and helping the upper bottom. Yeah. So the real problem to me seems to be builders aren't building affordable housing because it's just not profitable as right. much as building larger homes. So if you really want to solve affordable housing, you've got to enact tax breaks and get with BLM to create more affordable land and to create tax breaks for builders um, to be able to produce these products that we need. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like in the automotive industry, you know, they put restrictions on the, um, the fuel efficiency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Chevrolet wants to build a Corvette, well, then they also have to build a very economic engine for their other fleet of vehicles to right. equalize it out. So maybe we do something like that with builders to incentivize them to make properties as a tax break for what they make on, on their other side. Yeah. But there's got to be a better solution than just giving people money to an already super competitive market. So again, if you, what's going to end up happening is like you said, those small homes, properties that we consider rental properties, yeah. there's going to be exceeding demand. So those prices are going to increase, which could put pressure on whatever is above that increasing as well. Um, yeah. And as prices increase, that makes investors want to jump in. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it's just a cycle that just keeps continuing. And if you look at it, in, at least in Vegas, the only like affordable housing really being built are nice apartments. Mm. We've been building tons of like luxurious, nice apartments for people like millennials that normally would be buying their first time homes. So the reality is we're further disenfranchising because we're basically just building rental properties for people that used to be buying mm -hmm. first time homes. Uh, so I just think that's just going to get a little crazy. So yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I, again, I'm keeping everything I own because it's yeah. the $15,000 tax credit is possible. I think it is. Um, I think it will have so many unintended consequences that they won't like the output, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it really could. Um, it'll be interesting. So, man, crazy times. I appreciate you. You have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Thank have you so have much some for fun. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk next month. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. I, Enjoy I, your turkey. Day. I, for, I forgot. How can people follow you? Yes, please, please. Important part for me. Yeah. Um, you can watch me on YouTube, uh, The Lebo Group, where I post uh, monthly update videos for the Las Vegas area. And a lot of times I discuss topics that affect the entire country, like we just discussed the $50,000 tax credit. So follow me on YouTube, The Lebo Group. You can call, text, or email me, uh, brian at lebogroup.com. And the phone number is 702 257 Lebo. So other than that, thanks again. Absolutely, man. And again, folks, you need to follow him on YouTube. He's one of those channels that I follow. Uh, he's, he's a doer. He's a practitioner. He's not a real estate guru out there. He's in it. He's got the numbers. I watch his monthly reports because he's giving me little signs of what's going to come in my market. So Brian, I appreciate you. And I watch all your videos. All right. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it and enjoy your turkey day. Take care.